The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, scientists around the world scramble to find a vaccine for COVID-19. University of Alberta health policy expert Dr. Timothy Caulfield is focused on the trail of a different cure, one that stops with what he calls the COVID-19 infodemic. You know, all the bogus information out there that is spreading as fast as the virus itself. Dr. Caulfield is one of seven U of A researchers to receive funding through the second round of the federal government's rapid research funding opportunity created to aid in the battle against COVID-19. He joins us now. Dr. Caulfield, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. All right, let's start with this. You have said that separating fact from fiction on COVID-19 is difficult, but it is very important, and we know that, but how do we do it? Well, it, it is so important. There's so much misinformation out there right now about everything from, you know, the source uh, to cures and preventative strategies. It's, it's a real it's a real mess. Uh, so what we need to do is, you know, the cliches are true. <laughs> you know, you've got to listen to those trusted voices, the World Health Organization, the Public Health Agency of Canada. Uh, and, you know, I think by and large, the provincial ministries have also done a good job. So, you know, avoid the noise, set your skeptic meter extremely high, uh, and more than anything, think before you share. Think before you share. Um, I'll tell you something that seems to be very, very difficult for a lot of people to do because I don't know about you, but my Facebook Messenger accounts, my DMs on social have just been filled with all sorts of bunk, I guess I'll call it, about, hey, if you do this, if you do that, um, you won't get coronavirus, and it's not true, Um, but I think people just hold on to hope that something might be real, Dr. Caulfield. They're hoping against hope that something magical is going to appear and that we're going to be over and done with this. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that is part of the equation. Um, You know, you can't boost your immune system like people are claiming. Drinking cow urine is not going to help (laughs) Starting cocaine is not going to help. These are all things that have been have been suggested. Uh, And the other thing is the great deal of uncertainty around this, right? I mean, when there is that kind of uncertainty, research tells us that we seek ways to fill in the gaps, right? Whether that's a conspiracy theory or some some proprietor offering a magic solution, those things seem more inviting, seem more plausible when there's a degree of uncertainty out there. And there's a lot of uncertainty right now. Well, who do you blame? Who do you blame? Is it the person that um, that puts it out initially? Is it is it a researcher that is hoping to maybe get some attention? Is it a, a reporter looking to get a, a story? Or is it someone just wanting to share some information with their friends? Does it go all the way around? Uh, it goes all the way around. And, and to be honest with you, that's one of the things we want to we want to explore in our study. We really want to get a sense of where this misinformation is starting from and, and why it gets traction. But, but all, there is a lot of blame to go around, unfortunately. Uh, our sense already is most of it it's not going to surprise you, is, is on social media. And most of it, uh, not most of it, a good hunk of it also comes from people marketing stuff, which is pretty infuriating, right? They're taking advantage of the fear and the uncertainty uh, to sell stuff that doesn't work. Uh, so that's, that's a source. But, but we also, all of us, deserve a little bit of blame. Um, you know, again, going back to that think before you share, social media is such a frantic forum that people, I think, see those headlines and they share before they think. And there's research, actually, one of our partners, a research partner, Gordon, Gordon Pennycook, has done this stuff. 
stuff showing that if you just pause, you just think about it, you think about accuracy, you're less likely to share that information. Simplistic strategy, I know, but it works. Tim, how it's been, um, what, uh, three, four months since the first cases being reported in China. Um, when you're looking at social media um, in uh, right now in the past couple of months, how has it changed when it comes to COVID-19? Yeah, that, that's a really interesting question. When when um, it first started coming out, a lot of and in this I'm talking in the context of misinformation, right? The disinformation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. misinformation. You know, it, it really started on on the source of it, it uh, and you know, this is the idea that it was a bioweapon, and you also saw a lot of political posturing. Do you remember, you know, Donald Trump blaming? China, China blaming Donald Trump. We saw a lot of misinformation coming from from Russia. We saw interesting ideological stuff happening in, in in India. But now what's happened is it's really shifted, and perhaps not surprisingly, uh, to the fake cures, the fake preventative strategies. Um, and and with respect to that, I can promise you, if something worked, if something worked well we would know. Uh, and right now, there's just nothing there other than the, 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 the known strategies, the social distancing, washing your hands, you know, re- re- responding responsibly when you have the symptoms. You know, that's, those simple strategies, that's what's going to have a big impact. Well, there are a lot of folks who will believe and take the word automatically of what some leaders will say and what celebrities say, and that can lead to some seriously damaging results. Uh, you're right, and there is an ideological component to this. There's been a little bit of research on this already, which is no surprise, right? And I also think what's unfortunate, and this is something that they've written on recently, is is that ideological posturing also has an impact on our trust, um, and it can have an impact on who we trust, which is really unfortunate because right now you want people to trust science. You want people to trust you know, entities like the World Health Organization and the Public Health Agency of Canada. So, you know, it's, you know, a breakdown in trust is happening at the worst possible time. Um, Dr. Timothy Caulfield joining us this afternoon. Um, his The list that follows his name goes on and on, but he's the Canada Research Chair in Health Law and Policy Professor, Faculty of Law and School of Public Health and Research Director, Health Law Institute, University of Alberta. He's an author uh, as well. You can see him on, on television. We have seen a lot of talk over the past little while of what I think many are believing could be real cures when it comes to things like stem cell, uh, using stem cells. We've we've heard a lot about um, these uh, anti-malaria drugs that had been used in the past. We've seen, I think, that the America is, the FDA is, is rushing its use in some cases there. But again, what you say is if, if it was really working, if we knew it was going to work and it was working, it would probably be in use right now, right? Uh, that's right. And, and I think, you know, you raised some really interesting points because, you know, there's that crazy misinformation that I talked about, you know, you know, the cow urine and people drinking bleach was another example, right? With the extreme stuff that I think only a minority of individuals buy into. Unfortunately, people have bought into that and died as a result of it. But then we have misinformation sort of at the other end of the spectrum where you have an actual pharmaceutical um, being uh, misrepresented or you have a legitimate area of research like stem cell research being misrepresented. And I think that really adds to the confusion for the public. Uh, And that kind of information can be more difficult to debunk, right? Because people can find research that seems to to legitimize what these individuals are talking about. When in, in reality, 
it's much more complex. It's much more. We need good clinical trials before we can roll this out in a way that is going to benefit the population. And there is some being done um, that hydro, uh, I can't even say it. The uh, malaria right. drug. The malaria drug. There's some tests underway at a research facility in Quebec going on right now. They're looking for, for some some folks to be involved with clinical trials. Things are being looked at, but again, you don't click your nose or you don't click your heels and wiggle your nose and things get done and say, here, we can use this in humans. Uh, that's right. In fact, you know, one of the things that, you know, sh- people should remember, if it's an animal study, be skeptical. If it's a small study, you know, if it's only a number of individuals and patients involved in the study, be skeptical. You know, you need big, robust studies in, in order to see if this is really going to work. And, and keep in mind, one of the reasons we want to do that, people will say, well, we're desperate. We want to use whatever we can. Well, it could also do harm, right? It could also be harmful if it's not used properly. In addition to that, it could lead to shortages of the drug, which is happening apparently in the United States around that malaria, and in Canada too, around that malaria drug. So we want to make sure that our decisions are based on the best available evidence. Seeing today that there was word that uh, Russia is releasing fake news stories and propaganda blaming the West for creating and releasing COVID-19, that was uh, according to a report released today by the University of Calgary School of Public Policy. We also heard today that that China, and it's something that a lot of people had speculated on, that China underreported numbers and severity. How, how do we take all of this in then, Tim? How do we process that information. Well, it, it really, really frustrating. And I've been following the Russia thing, you know, it ties back to what I was talking about with the trust issue. And keep in mind, what, what's happening is there has been a breakdown in trust, and that's exactly what Russia is aiming for, right? They're trying mm-hmm. to create chaos. So for them, it's succeeding if we stop listening to the World Health Organization, if we stop listening to the Public Health Agency of Canada. That's exactly what they want have, to have happen. One of the things, I think one of the takeaways is, you know, the, the broad strokes all the scientists have agreed on, right? Really from the start, the idea of social distancing, of washing your hands, of, of taking sensible steps when you have, have the symptoms. You know, we've all agreed on that uh, from the beginning. And those big sort of policy, uh, those big policy steps, are, that's what's really going to have an impact. So yes, there's all this noise out there, uh, but we're going to get through this and we're going to get through it uh, together, to, you know, listening to the science. This work that you're undertaking right now, how do you hope it will shape future response to events, hopefully not like this again, but to major events that I'm sure that we're going to go through uh, in the coming years and in the coming decades? Yeah, you know, we, we have a both a sort of a near future and a, and a long-term goal. And the long-term goal is exactly what you just said. You know, we want to get a sense of how this kind of misinformation spreads and how it spreads so quickly. You know, this is sort of a, a, a perfect moment to study the spread of health misinformation, isn't it? And, and so we're going to do that both by looking at social media, about the news media, about search engines. We're doing all of that. But we're also doing empirical work to find out how people respond to that misinformation. Um, and so we hope to to really inform what we can do as a society to to make that situation better. Short term, we really want to get stuff out quick, uh, you know, about how we can debunk the misinformation associated with the coronavirus. We want to do that quickly, um, and we want to do that using creative communication strategies. We want to do that using best practices because uh, we want to make a difference uh, near future. 
Well, and you talk about the communication strategies, um, Dr. Caulfield. What what are good communication strategies when it comes to getting those infor- to get that information out? I'm I'm guessing that it's short to the point. Just put the facts out there because people don't want to be reading pages upon pages of something. Yeah, you're right. My kids always laugh at me because they don't post something on social media. And they'll go, no one read it. And they go, of course they're not going to read it because they have to read it. Um, you know, you, <laughs> what you want to do, uh, and there's research to back this up. You know, there's research to back up the idea that having, you know, engaging, uh, an engaging image, a clear message, right? And, and the other thing that works are, are stories and narratives, um, you know, that, that get across the good evidence. You know, let's use the, the same strategies that the people that push misinformation do, and they use these kinds of stories, right, in order to get across the good information. So we, sh- we need to do that. Um, and, and we also need to get on the, pl- on the social media platforms. We can't shy away from that. And you're already s- starting to see that happen. The World Health Organization has a great website. Everyone can go to it. World Health Organization Mythbusters. And they go through a lot of the myths, like from, you know, taking garlic uh, to what kind of cures are available out there to does cold and heat kill kill the, uh, the virus. And they have a great infographic that everyone can share. So let's share the good stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and not share the bad stuff. And the fact of the matter is there is no cure right now. There is no cure. Um, Dr. Caulfield, how do you, in, in the line of work that you do, you must be debunking things constantly, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, wh- wherever it is. How do you deal with the folks who refuse to not, or who, who refuse to, uh, what, what am I looking for, who constantly believe the misinformation, who refuse to believe that it's wrong? Well, you know, it's I, I get a lot of hate mail. <laughs> I'm sure you do too, so you can relate. We can commiserate together on this. I get a lot of hate mail, and in fact, once I even did a study of my hate mail, and you know, I looked at 300 bits of hate mail. And what's fascinating is it's all no matter what the topic is, it's the same, right? You know, first they call you an idiot, but then this next line is. Um, something about trust. So it goes back to what we were talking about before, right? So uh, I think one of the takeaways is you're never going to change the minds of those hardcore believers. Uh, and, and there's this great, there's this great um, recommendation, again, from the World Health Organization, actually, about how you should deal with this. You know, your message should not be for those hardcore believers because you're not going to change their mind. The message should be for the general public and use their diatribe as an opportunity to talk to the general public. And uh, that's what I think we need to do. You know, keep the message. Remember the general public is the audience, not the hardcore nutball in his bunker <laughs> who believes, uh, right, that, in, that aliens have taken over the government. You know, that, you're not going to change that person's mind. <laughs> Tim, I need to send you, forward you some texts I've been receiving. Oh, my goodness. Okay, before we let you go, um, final final word on this. What do, what do you want people to remember and take away from this conversation? Um, it, it be very skeptical about almost anything having to do with the cure or prevention strategy associated with, with this crisis, unless it's coming from one of those trusted voices. And I know people are skeptical right now of, of a lot of government entities, but these are scientists trying to do the best they can. They're aggregating the science. Um, and so follow those voices. And, and lastly, think before you share. Think about the source. Think about how accurate this is before you share any information on social media. And Dr. Timothy Caulfield joining me this afternoon. I appreciate your time, Tim. Thank you so much. Thank you.
We take care now. Um, interesting stuff. Share or think before you share. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just don't believe I, 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 the text, the text line right now is, is a fascinating thing to be, to be looking at both, you know, um, pro and con, but a number of you saying that, yeah, you have, you have broken up with people on, on, on Facebook or on social media because of information that they have shared and, uh, you're not alone. There's a lot of folks uh, out there who are doing the same, who are doing the same thing. 